0: Welcome to 49ers Access, my name is Sterling Bennett and this is episode number 57 of the podcast and today we are going to react to the 49ers week 11 victory versus the Jacksonville Jaguars and oh baby to quote the great Bonte Hill, I am excited the San Francisco 49ers are back to 500 for the first time since week number four yes it's been a long road since week number four and are now tied for the seventh seed in the nfc wildcard picture they are just one game yes one game out of the sixth seed in two games yes a minuscule two games back of the fifth seed the first wildcard if you will which currently is held by the Los Angeles Rams, who the 49ers ran through just two weeks ago on Monday night, but today. We're going to answer the question, are the 49ers really contenders? What's the one big concern we have with this team going forward? And let me tell you, it's pretty glaring. Is Jimmy Garoppolo being compared to Joe Montana? And Kyle Shanahan made a statement on Sunday with how he used number three overall pick Trey Lance. And so today, let's start off with where last week's show began as well. And it starts with the pass-to-run play percentage. Last week, the Niners ran the ball 68% of the time versus the LA Rams. They passed the ball 32%. Of the time. Versus the Jaguars. Like I said, I thought gradually they will find their way back to that 50 50 mark where they were in 2019, Shanahan and San Francisco's most successful year under the Lynch and Shanahan regime. On Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. in Jacksonville, Florida, the Niners passed the ball 34% of their snaps, meaning they ran the ball 68% of their snaps. On Excuse me, 66% of their snaps on Sunday. Again, slowly but surely, again, gradually and very slowly, if you will, finding their way back to the 50-50 split that we saw in 2019. And I believe that against a team like Jacksonville that was actually a really good run defense, the Niners still imposed their will and played the game how they believed it should have been played. But on Sunday, this coming Sunday against the Vikings, I do think we will finally see that this team is once again a 50-50 split. It might be 60-40, but it'll be closer to that 50-50 split that we saw in 2019. But we have to kind of begin the, the deep dive into this game against the Jaguars. And really, it starts with that first drive of the game, just like it did against the Rams. In their first two drives against LA, their first drive, 18 plays, 93 yards, 11 minutes and three seconds, one touchdown. Their second drive, 11 plays, 91 yards, seven minutes and 52 seconds, and a touchdown. Their first drive against the Jaguars, which I think kind of might be the first point of contention with this game, not how it began or... In the drive itself but kind of how it ended their first drive against the Jaguars and to give you context I will tell you exactly where my headspace was uh, I had to work on Sunday uh, the, the Warriors played uh, the Raptors on Sunday night so I had to be at 95.7 the game studios to prepare for that game and get the broadcast ready in my head I said okay uh, I'll, I'll watch the first drive of the game get to the studio and then watch the rest of the game Well, little did I know that the first drive for the Niners would go 20 plays, 87 yards, and last 13 and a half minutes. Their first drive of the game almost lasted an entire quarter. To put it in perspective, the Niners' 13-minute and 5-second drive was the longest in, in the NFL since the Tennessee Oilers the Houston Oilers, if you will, had a 13-minute and 27-second drive versus the Dallas Cowboys on November 27th, 1997, Pearl Sports. That has not been done. Like, that team no longer exists. (laughs) The Tennessee Oilers no longer exist. That's how long it's been since a team has put together a 13-minute and 5-second drive. The Niners this year had the two longest drives of the season, 11.5, the first drive against the Rams, and 13.05 versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, here's kind of where it gets tricky, right? Uh, Bailed out on a few penalties by Jacksonville, but the end of the drive, you're on the goal line about to cap this drive off with the touchdown. Put yourself up seven points, six points, if you will, and uh, kind of make the biggest statement you can, right? Run it down their throat, execute quick passes, get you first downs, take literally an entire quarter away from Jacksonville. Like, they had not touched the football yet at all. And Jimmy misses a wide open, Jeff Wilson Jr., in the flat, no one around, and dismisses him, and you're going, oh, Jimmy, <laughs> like, of all the things we've talked about, and how good you're playing, you missed the easiest throw, arguably, of your life, like, no one's around him, now, albeit Jeff Wilson Jr. kind of slowed down a little bit, but it, it is a play a quarterback has to hit, and you're sitting there just, oh, man, Wow, Uh, I don't know how you missed that. And then then the dogs come barking at the door. Jimmy missed that wide open throw. And and yes, he deserves... Like, come on. (laughs) Uh, No excuse there. You have to hit that throw. But now here is the biggest point of contention. And it's such a weird conversation to have because Kyle Shanahan is someone who I think we can agree as a play caller is really smart, right? He's been a, a lot of the point of conversation... A lot of the year, a lack of leadership, you're a genius, but you're a loser. And I've been in those conversations plenty of the time. And now that he's turned the corner or the Niners have turned the corner, he deserves a ton of credit. As much as he deserved a lot of the blame, he deserves a ton of credit for finally finding himself last week against the Rams and continuing that over into the Jaguar game. But this is kind of the one play many Niner fans said, why are we not going for it? And I understand the other side of the argument of, well, if you go for it and you don't get it, then you have the ball for 13 minutes or on the opponent's two, three yard line and you got no points. Why? Like just get points, get out of there, like get your offense off the field. Trent Williams said it's exhausting. Uh, you got to have your heart in the game if, if you want to you know play for 20 plays in 13 straight minutes. And so I get it, right? But... The other point is, he called a freaking timeout and then said, eh, kick a field goal. Like, you gave your offense 30 extra seconds to kind of compose themselves and find a play. If that was the case, just kick the field goal and don't burn the timeout. Now, that timeout didn't matter much in the 30-10 to victory versus Jacksonville, but you never know how that game's going to go. And luckily for San Francisco, Jacksonville really couldn't respond in the game whatsoever. Like the, the Niners were up 17 to nothing before Jacksonville ran their fifth offensive play of the game. Like 17 to nothing before the Jaguars ran five plays on offense. Like that's how dominant the Niners were on Sunday versus Jaguars. 17 to nothing before the other team ran five plays. Like most common games where they're so oh, it's 17 to nothing, 17 to three. You know, a team, you know, had 10 plays in one drive that couldn't get it done. They were on their own 50, you know, couldn't do much, did a punt of the way. No, no, no. The Niners dominated the entire first half. Entire first half. But that brings us back to that fourth down play of why are you calling a timeout when you can easily, easily, and I think the, the the drive proved it. Twenty plays, 87 yards. You started at your own 10. You need three more yards to get in the red zone, or or the end zone, excuse me. And because of the way it was set up, you had room to get a first down prior to even getting in the end zone. Like they could have got a first down. And and so again, I get it. Nick it, it. It's a nitpick. It's a well they won 30 to 10 and they got three points and they you know you know they destroyed the jaguars and i get that i understand it's a very minuscule thing but you know jimmy missing a play got to have that against good teams right exactly play like this like if they're playing the rams i guarantee you they go for it on fourth down if this was the rams game and they're in the middle of their 18 play 93 yard drive and they're 11 minutes into the game and it's fourth down and three, fourth down and two, and you have room for a first down, on top of possibly getting in the end zone. Shanahan calls a timeout. You know what he doesn't do? Kick a field goal. And maybe that goes into the mindset of the Niners thinking, yeah, Jacksonville's a good team, per coaches speak, but we know we have them on the ropes all game. I mean, Jacksonville was undisciplined. I mean, Rashawn I think is Jenkins threw a punch, and it's funny because. In my mind, my first response was Simon Jenkins, who I am for real? Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize a trillion times." <laughs> uh, or uh, "Your roses smell like poo." Ooh, sorry, my outcast impersonation is really bad, but that was my first thought. <laughs> it was like, man, like the Jaguars are so undisciplined, <laughs> and I think the Niners knew that. And I think that's what really led to the field goal drive. Oh, let's get three points. We kind of got this game in the bag. Uh, We just ran down almost 90 yards and, and, you know, 13 minutes of play. Like, we had the ball for a full quarter. Jacksonville's offense really isn't that good. Trevor Lawrence, this year at least, stinks. Urban Meyer is a really bad head coach. Like, I think mentally and physically on the field, they proved to themselves we can walk away with three points here and maybe not be satisfied, but be content knowing that we have this game already in the bag on the first drive of the game. Like, I, the whole conversation of, look, maybe we should have gone for a touchdown. And in my mind, I would have gone for a touchdown, but I do think mentally the Niners are playing on such a different level than they were a few weeks back against the Cardinals or the Colts or the Packers, where they really believed they had this game won on that first drive. They felt so content to go for a field goal. Now, that's not going to work when you're playing a team like the Rams, or the Vikings, or in a couple weeks you're playing Tennessee, or, or the Rams again later on in the year. It's not going to work. But against the Jaguars, the confidence level was so high in themselves currently, they said, eh, and." Yeah three points is enough now, we'll get 27 later, <laughs> which, again, maybe it's not the the best mentality, but then you go on defense, and Josh Norman forces his NFL-leading sixth fumble of the season as someone who said, cut Josh Norman right now, after that Cardinals game, who said, I'm done, I'd rather ride with Thomas and Lenore out of just not knowing how to play the game yet instead of an ignorant player like Norman who just hasn't adapted to this new NFL, has not changed how he played since 2013. Josh Norman, congratulations. (laughs) I'm not going to backtrack my comment, but you did play a major part in this team's victory on Sunday. Now, he missed some tackles. But per PFF, he had, I believe, the number, the the team leading like 89th grade. He was like an 89.6 grade on Sunday. Led the team. So Josh Norman bounce back week. Now again against a really bad team, but you're causing turnovers. You're forcing turnovers. That's what veterans do. They play clean football. No DPIs. No holding. No no yelling at the head coach of the opposing team on the sideline. And you get turnovers so Josh Norman kudos to you great game but now we have to get into arguably the biggest players of the game and to quote the great rapper Birdman if you will I would like every single 49er fan to come together it's the holiday season right Thanksgiving's in what four days five days maybe a day depending on when you're listening to the podcast but come together, sit at your table, and let's hold our hands and put some respect on Jimmy Garoppolo's name. I am so tired. And look, and I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he's, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. But it's about time, at least right now, where this four-game stretch has been the best Jimmy Garoppolo we have seen in two years. We need to live in this moment. Have foresight for the future all you want. Minnesota game is going to be a grind. A grind. But right now, from Bears game week 8 to Monday following the Jaguars game, Jimmy Garoppolo is PFF's highest-graded quarterback. Higher than your Josh Allens. Higher than your Dak Prescott's. Higher than your Tom Brady's and your Aaron Rodgers. And I get Kyler Murray hasn't played. I understand there's some caveats here and there. But Jimmy Garoppolo's playing his butt off. He's playing his Jimmy GQ $26 million booty off. And we need to appreciate it. Give that tush a squeeze. And juice it till there's nothing left. And let him lead us to the playoffs. Please. (laughs) In his last four games, 70 comp percentage. Over 1,000 yards, six total touchdowns, one interception in garbage time in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals when the game was already lost because Kittle and Ayuk fumbled in a 113.17 passer rating. Again, put some respect on Jimmy Garoppolo. But no, 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 no. We are not done just yet. Jimmy Garoppolo from Week 8 to the Rams game. 96% of his play snaps out of shotgun was an insane amount of things. The Niners got back to what he used to do in college in Eastern Illinois. Got him back to where he was most comfortable. That is what he ran in college. And they said, hey, we're having a hard time here. Jimmy's best used, be a shotgun. Let's put him back in that scheme and those plays and make him more comfortable. And look what's happened. But to show you that getting him back on track, aligning his confidence, allowing him to reactivate the comments on his Instagram account because he's so confident in himself right now. In shotgun, Jimmy Garoppolo, 9 for 12, 89 yards, two touchdowns. But under center, 7 for 10, 87 yards. And no touchdowns, of course, because the touchdowns came out of shotgun. Again, he's almost just as efficient out of... The shotgun, as he's under center now, the confidence has carried over. Shanahan got his quarterback back on track. They figured things out. They have found the groove. They've found the rhythm again. And now we're seeing it permeate through every single play call Kyle Shanahan calls. Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing touch passes to George Kittle, and he's missing a few. The Jeff Wilson play obviously sticks out, but he's hitting guys. He's trusting the receivers again. He's feeling himself we're gonna keep going here Jimmy Garoppolo he has the longest active NFL streak for consecutive games what they 100 plus passer rating since week 8 Bears Cardinals Rams Jaguars Jimmy Garoppolo has been the highest rated passer in the NFL juice the tush <laughs> while you can get the juice <laughs> out of Jimmy G. But here's one of the bigger stats. It's been circulating all over Twitter. CBS Sports. 49er quarterbacks to complete 70% of passes and throw multiple TD passes in three straight games. Joe Montana and Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember a few years back when we... Compared Kyle Shanahan to Bill Walsh, their records are very similar, and they're both on this Super Bowl path. And then it kind of came crumbling down, and I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing or a good thing, but and these stats kind of get us in trouble. Of well, Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as Joe Montana, and by all means, no, he's not. What he's doing is, he's playing his most efficient football this season we have ever seen from him. He's back to 2019. Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, even in those years, limited in what they can do, right? Not usually going to push the ball down the field. We know what he can do. We know what his limit is. But here's the thing. The last two weeks, so take the Rams and Jaguars, no turnovers. No INTs, no fumbles lost. On third down, he's 8 for 12, 102 yards, two touchdowns, and a QBR of 96.7. On third down, in the last two weeks, the Niners, 53.8, pretty much 54% on third down. That is second in the NFL. Right now, with this team, and you can argue, well, they're only throwing the ball 33% of the time. But it's a fine argument, I, I would agree. They are throwing it far less than I think many of us believe they would need to. They may have overcorrected, throwing 40 times a game, now throwing 25 times a game. But now, because Jimmy has found himself again, it's opened up passing lanes. And in return, he's hitting those plays, which then opens up the run game. Jimmy Garoppolo was consistent in Chicago. Consistent against the Cardinals, against the Rams, against the Jaguars. He, despite many of those who don't want to say because the Niners are running the ball 66% of the time, Jimmy Garoppolo was key in getting the rushing attack back on track. He started hitting plays, making the defense respect him. Which in return got the running game going again, which in return itself allowed Jimmy to flourish even more. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're a big arcade game guy... He put the coins in, he played the game, the running game was the tickets coming out, and now the Niners turn that back in for more prizes. And that prize is Jimmy Garoppolo continuing to flourish, continuing to play consistent football. Now, who knows how long this lasts? Who knows? But the Vikings cannot stop the pass. I told you last week, this is a game where Garoppolo will have a good game. He will continue this stretch. And I'm not going to predict that happens against Minnesota because anything can happen. The Vikings are a much better team than 5-5 five and five really tells. But if you're looking for Garoppolo to continue the stretch against Minnesota, it's a pretty good game to do so. Like, I-, I see no reason why Garoppolo cannot continue playing like this. And many of the reasons why he's playing like this is because he has receivers like Debo Samuel. I want to read you some stats like I always do because I like stats. And I think they're very telling of how a game is played and the outcome of games. So, most receiving yards by a member of the 49ers. I'm going to give you the top five through weeks 1 through 10. Number one, Jerry Rice, 1990, 1,052 yards. Number two, Jerry Rice, 1989, 1,043 yards. Number three, Jay Rice, <laughs> nineteen ninety five, one hundred or one thousand thirty seven yards. Number four, Jerry Rice, nineteen eighty six, one thousand and thirty yards. Now I'm not trying to tell you or reaffirm your thought that Jerry Rice is the goat, the greatest of all time, but I am going to tell you that number five doesn't belong to Treloans, Anquan Boldman, Michael Crabtree, Vernon Davis. No, no, no. Debo Samuel has the most receiving yards as a member of the 49ers through 10 games in a season. 994 yards. 994. Oh, and by the way, he had one target on Sunday for 15 yards. He didn't even really play receiver on Sunday. He, he was a running back. He was an RB2, RB1 to Jeff Wilson Jr. Debo Samuel this season is the first wide receiver in the Super Bowl era, era, (laughs) with at least three rushing touchdowns in two of his first three career seasons. He is the ultimate offensive weapon. Corderell Patterson wanted to call himself an offensive weapon. No, no, no. Debo Samuel is everything, in in all respect to Corderell, but he's everything Cordell Patterson wants to be. That's how good... Debo Samuel has been he had 8 carries on Sunday he he touched the ball 9 times 79 yards rushing 9.9 yards on the ground 1 touchdown he was the most efficient 49ers running back on Sunday like (laughs) I don't know how how much more I can just continue to say that over and over and over again Debo Samuel is one of the best receivers in football. He is a top-three receiver. Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. That's how insane he's been this year. And it aids Jimmy Garoppolo. How Debo Samuel plays, what he can do. And thank God for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan getting a guy like this. Seeing the potential in someone like this. The versatility and all the crap we give Linton Shanahan of, you took Solomon Thomas and, and, and Reuben Foster, and those things deserve the flack and criticism they get. But you nailed Debo Samuel. I mean, to quote Pat McAfee, he layeth the down on every team he plays. And because he's playing so well, it opens up lanes for guys like Brandon Ayuk, who again has found himself the last couple weeks. Probably against the Bears. It's kind of when he came out of the came out of the doghouse, if you could say. But this Sunday, he averaged 3.3 yards of separation. The best mark of the season for him. He's getting three yards of separation. He's buying Garoppolo a bigger window. And that is in part due to playing maybe a bad secondary like Jacksonville. Yeah, fair, fair. But he's doing it against the Rams. The Cardinals. And he'll likely do it against the Vikings. This receiving core is hitting their stride with their quarterback. They're making Jimmy's job easier. And Jimmy's already on top of his game, but now his receivers are on top of theirs too. Pedal to the metal. Foot to the floor. All gas, no brakes. This team is playing its best football at the perfect time. I said it earlier. One game out of the 7th seed. Two games out of the 5th seed. We're right there. Now, you have to get it done, right? You have to get it done. The Niners, they play the Vikings on Sunday. The Rams play the Packers. Green Bay could beat them. We can beat Minnesota. Then we're one game out of the 5th seed. No one thought we'd be there three weeks ago. Then we have Seattle... Sunday night Rams have Jacksonville okay let's say we both lose that game whatever but Seattle stings what if we keep up with the Rams still one game back now Cincinnati 10 a.m. game shorter kind of week but the Rams play Arizona so what if we lose that game stay even we play Atlanta they play Seattle all I'm saying is look long way to go season is by far not even close to being over with so many things can change it is a game by game basis but we are right there we are on the precipice of getting the fifth seed in the wild card we just have to continue to play our best football and thankfully Debo's playing his best Ayuk's playing his best Jimmy's playing his best and let's not forget George Kittle is playing the most efficient football at least in the red zone we have seen from him. He's finally healthy. And on Sunday, just like last Monday, was his first time in his career with the most consecutive games with a touchdown, that being two, <laughs> first time ever. Sunday was the first time in George Kittle's career he had touchdowns in three consecutive games in the red zone. In the red zone. Three targets, three receptions, and three touchdowns. Give me all of that. The Niners are playing their best football. The offense is running all cylinders. Foot to the floor. There is no stop. They can feel, you know, Dakota Austin Powers. They got their mojo back. (laughs) They got their mojo. I don't know if it's in a tube and it's purple and it means something else, really, <laughs> uh, for a sexual innuendo like in the movies, but they got it back. They can feel. It, it is radiating off of them. You know, it's... If you played 2K games or or, or you play Madden games, for what it's worth, they got the X-Factor. This team has the X-Factor activated on every single play in the last four weeks, three weeks. Yeah, they struggled here and there, and and look, and I get it. Who really is this team? Is it the team that was, you know, two and four, or is it the team that's five and five? Like, again, plenty of ways to point and go. Ooh, like this team is so inconsistent. But we have to appreciate where we are now, and and I think this team, well, maybe not this good. Maybe not every single player is gonna have it every single Sunday. This team is playing. Good enough to beat the best teams in the league. They just knocked off the Rams. This team can beat the Packers. This team can beat the Cardinals. Had this team been playing against Arizona and Colt McCoy, they win. And that's the difference in a seven seed, a six seed, a 5th seed. Not to get too far ahead of myself because the division's pretty much out of touch, but just get into the playoffs and let this team face-off against Kyler Murray and Dondre Hopkins, they have a good chance. I told you a couple weeks back, you give me Shanahan and Garoppolo, a head coach and quarterback working in tandem, I will put them up against anybody. And I believe that. And they are finally starting to see it. One of the bigger conversations, though, has been the third downs, right? When the Niners are good on third down, which is where Jimmy has been historically best in his career, they've played better. Well... The last two games, 54% on third down, a turnover differential of plus four. The defense, again going back to the word, is working in tandem with the offense. The confidence radiating off of them is going on both sides of the ball. Whether it's Ward's two picks or Norman's fumble recovery, or excuse me, Warner's fumble recovery, Norman's fumble, a forced fumble, This team is feeling the confidence. It's oozing out of them. And one player who you may not see it from, he's like the quiet assassin. It's Bosa! Nick Bosa got his 10th sack of the season to surpass his previous career high of 9 sacks he got in 2019. Yes, his rookie season. Nick Bosa, through 10 games this year, already has more sacks than he had in 16 games his rookie season. He is also the only player in the NFL this year with 10 sacks and 15 tackles for loss. Can I get a comeback player of the year award? Can I get a defensive player of the year award? If Debo Samuel should be in the conversation of uh, offensive player of the year, or MVP, or best receiver in the league, Nick Bosa should be in the conversation of every single defensive player award he's been that good and to add on to it he has not had his counterpart in d ford really been that effective all year he's had some spurts but he was so ineffective his injuries are catching back up to him and Ebucom has kind of been somewhat of a bust despite having more success recently they traded for charles menahue who has actually provided some pressure on the opposite side but Nick Bosa's pretty much doing it himself. Maybe Eric Armstead's showing off a little bit. But Kenlaw's hurt. Ford's hurt. Ebukam has been inconsistent at, at best. And Amanda Hugh is showing potential. But Nick Bosa has been a one-man wrecking crew defensively. And Bosa talked about this in his post-game press conference where his rookie season, they asked him, okay, like, uh, like, what is your mindset going into a game? Like, do, do you plan for who you're facing off against he's like no like i i just i I just go out there and play but this year the answer was different he talked about i'm finally starting to kind of prep for each offensive tackle uh and like where their weaknesses are like when can i kind of take my point of attack when should i kind of capitalize on what the the offense is doing uh and like, like where I'm, like, looking at to like where I can kind of make my mark. Nick Bosa's growing as a defensive lineman, as an edge rusher, as a pass rusher. That should terrify every offense in football. Every offense. A kid who likely has rested on his physical ability, relied on that day in, day out. He's always been bigger, faster, stronger, and he's proven it every single year that he is bigger, faster, stronger than most left tackles, most offensive linemen. Now he's growing mentally, learning how to play the game in the playbook with scheme, learning when like, when can I take my chance, pinpoint it here, hit my opportunity here, capitalize. On a bad left tackles here. Nick Bose is learning. He's starting to pair mental strength with physical ability. And oh my goodness. <laughs> like, again, I am a very nerdy person, so it reminds me of Star Wars unlimited power. Like, that's what Nick Bose is gonna have. Like, oh, I just can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. So we've We've gone through Jimmy Garoppolo and Joe Montana's comparison. We've gone through really where this team is as to, you know, can they really get back? Are they truly contenders? And in my opinion, yes. Now, I'm not saying Super Bowl by any means. What I'm saying is this team right now with the NFL having so much parity, Tennessee's losing to the Jets. We're beating the Rams. Quilt McCoy's beating us in Seattle. Like Cliff Kingsbury's a good head coach. Now the Jets are winning games here and there. The Steelers are almost beating the Chargers on Sunday night. So much parity. The Niners are contenders, but they have to continue to play consistent, comprehensive football. That is the only way. Again, this team now, in their hottest upswing of the year, can beat anybody, and I believe that. Despite their secondary weaknesses, despite having a massive hole-at-right tackle, this team can't beat anybody. But that does bring us to maybe the one thing that can hold them back. The one thing that can limit how far they can go. That can really can really hold them from maybe grasping at a fifth seed in the wild card. Or beating a team in the first round, upsetting a fourth or third, or maybe even second seed in the playoffs, and that is the right tackle position. Now, before I get into why the right tackle position is such a big hole, I want to give credit to guys like Daniel Brunskill, Alex Mack, and of course Trent Williams and Lincoln Tomlinson, more importantly. The left side of this offensive line is so insanely good. Trent Williams is the highest-graded player left tackle in the NFL per PFF and it's not even close he's better than David Bakhtiari better than Angie Whitworth of the Rams he is by far the best left tackle in football but the guy next to him Lakin Tomlinson he's arguably not been better but on par with what Williams has been doing all year now he's allowed more pressures here and there but he is one of the best pass-blocking left guards in football. Jimmy has no fear, none whatsoever, on his blind side. And because of that, it gives him the confidence that I don't have to worry about behind me. I can just face what's in front of me. The issue is, in front of him is a massive hole in the right tackle position. Jalen Moore, who I like. Who is drafted to be a guard slash swing tackle on the left side of the offensive line. If Williams goes down or Tomlinson gets banged up or if they can't re-sign him, Jalen Moore, it is your job to lose. With that said, he does not have much time playing right tackle. He needs more reps playing right tackle. And because McGlinchey, who I think we all can say we miss now, finally, we can all agree that uh, maybe he's a lot better than we thought he was. You you never know what you have until you lose it. We're seeing that now with Mike McGlinchey being done for the whole season. We know Tom Compton stinks. We're well aware of that. Well aware of that. But Jalen Moore, who, again, rookie, he can have his time, he needs the reps, he gets an excuse he allowed two pressures on Sunday. One of them, Garoppolo, got sacked. But his pass-blocking rating was 13.1. Yikes. That is awful. It's not good. It stinks. That is disgusting. Against a defense that, well, admittedly, is really good against the run. And if Josh Allen's lined up against you and you're Jalen Moore... The edge goes to Josh Allen. You're playing out of scheme, out of position, and you have little reps at right tackle. I understand that. I will give Jalen more time to get comfortable. The issue is, and maybe because you're playing so well, you can kind of deal with that, and, and that can be fine there for a little bit of time. But if I'm San Francisco, maybe I make a change. Maybe I move... Jalen Moore to right guard and move Daniel Brunskill to right tackle. Now, look, I'm not in the business of, you know, making those decisions. They see it from day to day what they believe is the strength. And you can argue, well, why make the right guard and right tackle weaker for the sake of trying to make those those positions work together cohesively? But, and again, it's always a risk, right? But if you can get right tackle figured out where Jalen Moore can only slide into right guard and play equal to or slightly under Daniel Brunskill's level and Brunskill can play at least better than what Moore and Compton are going to give you, I see no reason why not to try that. But I also understand Brunskill's playing better than he was a few weeks ago. He's He has three good games and he has two bad games. He's inconsistent, but he does play really well usually. But something has to be done. Jalen Moore is getting beat constantly. He got benched for Tom Compton, who we all agree stinks. You cannot go against guys like Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. Now, Watt's out for the season, I know, but names like that. Aaron Donald. You can't go against guys like that Von Miller, who will have more reps in the Rams system. Harold Landry, who is dominating offensive linemen in Tennessee currently. You cannot play against those guys and expect to win with guys like Tom Compton and Jalen Moore, who, again, needs reps, playing right tackle you are going to lose 99% of the time they cannot survive deep into the playoffs or get themselves back in to the playoff hunt deep like the fifth seed maybe the fourth seed now fourth seed out of reach unless you somehow miraculously win the division but again out of reach most likely but if you want the fifth or sixth seed it's going to be hard to win with guys like Jalen Moore and Tom Compton. Now, thankfully, they are on the blind side of Jimmy, but that position needs to be addressed, or something's going to have to change unless Jalen Moore, day by day, week by week, gets more comfortable. Now, I'm okay with taking shots with Moore out there, but if you want to win and go up against, again, guys like Chandler Jones and Aaron Donald, LeVon Miller, and on and on and on, Harold Landry... You gotta play more consistent right tackle. From center over is figured out going left. But right guard is shaky at times, but mostly average. But once you hit right tackle, it's really hit and usually it's a miss. Like Mike McGlinchey, we miss you. We treated you poorly, and I'm sorry. And going back to a couple of the sacks Jalen Moore allowed, or one of the sacks he allowed on Sunday one of the pressures as well, was a sack in the red zone. And thankfully, Jimmy and Iyuk worked together, got a touchdown. Jimmy threw a great pass to Ayuk in the back of the end zone. Which brings me to the red zone percentage of this team. I'm going to give you a stat, and I've given you plenty today to kind of think about for a week The Niners' red zone touchdown rate, we talked about it's not about them getting there, or the trouble isn't being successful in the red zone, the issue is getting to the red zone. And while that issue has been somewhat fixed, they're having longer drives, they're getting in the red zone two or three times a game, the Niners currently, since 2003, have the highest red zone success rate, TD rate, Since 2003, starting from 6 and up. 2013 Broncos, 72.7%. Number 5, the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers, 73.5%. The 2003 Kansas City Chiefs, 76.3%. The 2020 Green Bay Packers, the most recent team on this list outside of San Francisco, number 3, 76.8%. Number two, 2019 Tennessee Titans, 77.4%. And number one, just 0.4% ahead of second place, the 2021 San Francisco 49ers, 77.8%. The Niners are the best red zone team, even better than what they were in 2019 at the peak of their game. They are the best red zone team in the NFL since 2003, what, 18 years? Almost 20 years of teams. All the Tom Brady teams, a few of them the Holmes teams, Peyton Manning's Colts, Roethlisberger and the Steelers, Russ in Seattle. They're better than those teams. Teams who we think, in our mind, and usually are, some of the greatest teams of all time. The Niners are better than those teams In the red zone. Favre's Packers. Rodgers' Packers. They're better than them in the red zone. That's insane. The Niners this year are 7% better in the red zone. Than the second place team this year. That shows you this team. If they can just get into the red zone more. Which they're doing which is why they're putting up more points every win they've had this year. Outside of the Eagles game, they have scored 30 points. No coincidence, they're getting into the red zone two to three times in those games. And they're scoring touchdowns almost every single time. It's no coincidence, you get inside the 20 more, you score more, you win more. These are dummy stats, really. But it just shows you how the Niners were playing just bad football early, and they're finally... Like, like it, the blueprint was all there. They're just finally starting to build the infrastructure and put cement down and concrete down and build pillars. They're finally starting to build this house that is your 2021 San Francisco 49ers. They're also playing cleaner football. Week 8, Week 9, 10 missed tackles, both season highs. Week 10... Season low, one missed tackle. Week 11, just three missed tackles. And just one penalty on Sunday versus Jacksonville. No turnovers and only two sacks allowed. Now, again, you can clean up those sacks, but that goes back into the right tackle being an issue. You have to figure that out. And really, if you figure it out or McGlinchey's playing, maybe it's one sack, maybe it's no sacks, and you have one penalty enforced, no turnovers, In no sacks. The Niners are playing extremely good football. Arguably, and I can say arguably because somehow Cole McCoy is the best quarterback in football (laughs) outside Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And the Chiefs are climbing their way back and playing really good football but the Niners are arguably playing the most complete football of any team in the league the last three to four weeks. Just insane how well they're playing. Here's my final topic of today's show, because I mentioned it last week how this could be a game where Trey Lance plays. Everyone's screaming, Put Trey Lance in! Put Trey Lance has to play! Why isn't Trey playing? And and I get it. I want to see Trey Lance play. Who wouldn't want to see your number three overall pick play? Like, anybody should, anybody would. I want to see him play. But Shanahan made, in my opinion, the biggest statement of the year and how he views Trey Lance. And it's not like he hasn't said it 10,000 times by now. In fact, he was a little irritated couple weeks back I'm tired of answering the question right you know I I answer the question over and over and over again I'm tired of answering questions about when will Trey Lance be starting quarterback and I think Sunday was if you're paying attention uh through the giddy of seeing Trey Lance finally play him the ball off like three or four times and take two QB kneels and be done with the game but despite me thinking okay he's in the game awesome Glad to see Lance back out there. At least touch the ball in live action again. Can view what a defense looks like in garbage time. Now, maybe meaningless, but maybe not. Again, I don't know what you get out of that, but still, on the field, with the offense, in win formation, is what it is. But the statement Shanahan was making, in my opinion, was, I know I've told you the entire time that... Jimmy's the starting quarterback and Trey's the backup. There are packages for him. What he showed us, though, for the first time on Sunday, and if it wasn't obvious the last three to four weeks now, you can say, well, Trey was hurt. It's why I couldn't play. No excuses now. Shanahan in its current state, in the roster's current structure, in Trey Lance's current developmental stage he views him as the backup quarterback and for the first time with no excuses he put in trey lance in garbage time to do what three hands off two qb kneels and have one qb sneak or one qb draw on third down you know who does that backup quarterbacks you know who does that? QB number two. You know who does that? Quarterback your head coach doesn't deem is ready to start yet. And so, right now, on November 22nd, I'm making a decree. <laughs> These are my 95 theses, or I guess my 49 theses. In this current state, of the way this team is playing, Unless this team struggles out of nowhere, can't score in the red zone, Trey Lance will continue to be the backup quarterback throughout 2021, unless there being an ultimate collapse later in the season. This team is back to 500. They are in the thick of the NFC playoff hunt. One game out of the seven seed, one game out of the sixth seed, two games out of the fifth seed. Unless we find ourselves at 5-9, and 5-8, and eight, with four, five games left, whatever the number may be at that point, Trey Lance will not start a game. Bearing injury from Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance will not start a game. And I can argue that just like Steve Young had the monkey pulled off his back in 1994, the 1995 Super Bowl, I think not having to answer questions about Trey Lance, not having to constantly have the media wondering, when will Trey play? I believe the monkey, the dark cloud, has been removed from Jimmy Garoppolo's head. He no longer has to worry currently about Trey Lance taking his job. He has firmly cemented himself in 2021 as the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback. And it's rightfully deserved, and he rightfully earned the job, to keep the job, to hold off a quarterback who, despite showing flashes, despite showing spark of what a number three-overall pick can do, Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers' 2021 starting quarterback. And I do not blame Shanahan. The plan is still in place. The plan is very much in order. I believe Trey will be the starting quarterback next season at this very moment, five and five, one game out of the playoff, one game out of the sixth seed, two out of the fifth seed, no more questions about Trey Lance. No more wondering of when will Lance play? When will Lance start? The conversation is dead in its current spot, in its current iteration. No more Trey Lance conversation. Live in this moment. Live in the maybe final drive, final end stretch of Garoppolo's career and let him play his best ball he's done in San Francisco. This is arguably the send-off. This is arguably the culmination of a five-year, four-year tenure In San Francisco. He may get traded. He may be done in the Bay Area next year. This isn't a sappy appreciation of Jimmy Garoppolo by any means. There's been struggles. There's been heartbreak. There's been laughable mistakes. But right now, in this very moment, this is the Niners have the best quarterback in football. I'm not saying top ten of all time. I'm not saying I wouldn't pick anybody over him, but the stats prove that right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is the most efficient quarterback in football. He may not have the arm. He may not have the smarts that you might want from a Tom Brady or Rodgers. He may not have the Mahomes-esque style of play. He may not have the Lamar Jackson mobility but he's doing everything in his power to win football games. And that is exactly what and who Jimmy Garoppolo is. He is a winner. He always has. And right now, he currently is. And if I believe, and we continue to support this team, and continue to back our team, back our quarterback, and this team can continue the confident football they're playing... Into Sunday against Minnesota. Against Seattle in primetime in Seattle. Against a team like Atlanta in four weeks. Against Cincinnati at 10 a.m. following a primetime game against the Seahawks. Jimmy Garoppolo will continue to be a winner. And we will all benefit from what he can do and what he has done. We're all beneficiaries of Jimmy Garoppolo and what this team is currently doing. But with that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for your love and appreciation. Uh, shout out to a good friend, Joe Denny. He's on uh, Instagram and he, he uh, DM'd me. Had a conversation with Kyle Shanahan. I love that stuff. Uh, shout out to the uh, people who DM me on Instagram. 49ers.access. I love having conversations with you guys. Again, it doesn't matter what you want to talk about. I am on there all the time. Let's talk about this team. Talk about a 5-5 five five winning team again. So follow us on Instagram, 49ers.access. Follow us on Twitter, 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss an update about this team, about this franchise. Where they're going where they're currently at who's playing who's not playing on sunday against the vikings you are not going to want to miss a thing with that said don't forget to subscribe leave a review tell your friends about this podcast and don't forget to like the podcast that's how these platforms know where to rank 49ers access in your podcast feed my name is sterling bennett and until next time Stay faithful.